0: Christchurch, New Malden, Sunday the 30th of July, 2023, 9.30 service. Stephen Kurtz speaking on The Spirit of Insight and Interpretation. Well, it is a series of talks in which we're seeing all sorts of different ways in which the Holy Spirit worked and the Holy Spirit works through the church. And I hope that you uh, are finding it inspiring, those of you who've been here through most of these talks as you've heard about the way in which the Holy Spirit of God worked through things like the witness of the early Christians, the courage of the early Christians, their prayer, their fellowship, and all the ways in which this can happen now. And this morning we're thinking about the way in which the Holy Spirit guides our insight and our interpretation of the Bible. Now, I wonder how comfortable you feel with handling the Bible. It is such a massive book, isn't it, that we can often feel rather intimidated by it, particularly by the Old Testament with its creation stories, with the considerable amount of violence which is within it, its strange visions, and, of course, all of those detailed laws. And it's perfectly possible to be a sincere and prayerful Christian Who deeply values those parts of the Bible that we understand, while finding vast other stretches of it strange and perhaps off-putting. And part of the effect that that can then happen is that the Bible then doesn't play the full role for our Christian lives that God intends for it. What we need to put that right is an overall framework an overall framework in which we can place and then interpret the various things that we find within the Bible in order to make greater sense of them. And we see an example of that in that long passage that John just read to us, as Stephen, one of the leaders of the early church, presents his interpretation of the Old Testament story. Now, we're told in the previous chapter before this that Stephen was full of God's grace and power. It must be something to do with the name. And we're told that when people argued with him, they couldn't stand up against the wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. Now, you might know already that Stephen was the first Christian martyr. He was the first Christian to be killed for his faith. And it all came down to his opponents claiming that he was undermining two crucial things about uh, which the Bible conveyed. The truth, the law and the temple. The law that Moses had given and the holy building that had been established for Israel to worship within. Of his opponents, what Stephen said about both of these things, the law and the temple, made him guilty of blasphemy against God himself. And that's why they brought Stephen before the Sanhedrin, the same council that had condemned Jesus. And it's as Stephen responded to these accusations against him that we see how the Holy Spirit enabled him to interpret the Bible. Stephen believed that God's most important word to the world was Jesus. That's what all Christians believe that the coming of Jesus into this world, and particularly his death and resurrection, are the most important events, not only in the Bible, but the most important events that have ever occurred. But if that's true, if Jesus and everything that he means is the most important part of the Bible, then what is the role of all that other stuff within it? All that other stuff that it also presents as important. The stories, for instance, of Abraham, of Moses, the law, King David, and the temple. Well, that's where the Holy Spirit can help us. The Holy Spirit can guide us in interpreting all of that stuff and where it fits in with Jesus. And Stephen's speech is an example of this. And it contains three particular examples of how the Holy Spirit can guide us as we seek to interpret the Bible for ourselves and the first point I want to make is this. The Holy Spirit helps us to see throughout the pages of the Bible the constant faithfulness of God. You see the charge against Stephen was that in preaching about Jesus he was undermining the temple and the law and because of that he was undermining God himself. That's what blasphemy means. And Stephen's response is to retell the story of Israel. First, he gives a summary of the story of Abraham, followed by a summary of the story of Jacob and Joseph. Then he gives a summary of the story of Moses, before briefly touching on Joshua, King David and King Solomon. But at a more fundamental level, Stephen is retelling the story of God himself and God's interaction with his people. It's quite an interesting exercise to go through that passage that we've just heard, just looking at what it says about God. When we do that in the Abraham part of Stephen's speech, we see this. These are the statements that it makes about God. When we do that with the Joseph part of the story, it's briefer, but it's still significant, we see this. And we see this when we do it with the story uh, of Moses within Stephen's speech. And what we're seeing again and again are examples of the God of grace, the God of total love, being constantly proactive with his people. And one of the ways that the Holy Spirit will guide us when we read the Bible is when we ask him to reveal God through it. With its length and with its strange stories, it's very easy for us to lose the wood for the trees when it comes to the Bible, isn't it? Particularly because God doesn't bypass the mess that human beings have got into, but works through that mess, even if it means God sometimes looking rather ungodlike. But as we ask the Holy Spirit for help, He'll enable us to see through this to the constant faithfulness shown by God to his people. What we'll see, guided by the Holy Spirit, is a God who makes wonderful promises to his people and is so committed to both those promises and his people that he never abandons them. And as we do that, we'll then be able to see God's faithfulness more fully within our own stories as well. From next week, we go over to what we always do in August. We've got members of Christchurch speaking on the subject of why I'm a Christian. It's been a feature, as I say, of how we do August at Christchurch for some years now, over a decade, we've been doing this. And there are this year's cohort, we've got Liz Courtney, we've got Vashti coming up, in the second week of August. We've got PJ over there, we've got Roz, we've got a lot of these people here this morning, and then we've got Pamela Warren doing the first Sunday in September. Now those who agree to do these talks, I normally have to twist people's arms off, they've been pretty cooperative this year, but those who agree to do these talks can be pretty nervous before they do it, but what they basically all say afterwards is that its chief value is them having to think through their story and seeing the way in which God has worked through the various ups and downs of their lives. How God, in short, has been constantly faithful to them. And one of the principal ways that we learn to interpret our lives in this way is through seeing something similar within the Bible. And the way that the Bible constantly presents God showing his faithfulness through the mess of human lives. There's nothing that actually grows our Christian faith more than when we're able to see the action of God in human lives. And the Bible is here as a resource to help us do this. And that's why it's really important that the Holy Spirit uses it to show us the constant faithfulness of God. As we follow these stories through the Bible, we see that within our own lives and that leads us on to a second point here which is as we read the bible the holy spirit helps us to see the faithlessness of god's people we see this quite a few times in stephen's retelling of the old testament story don't we as god keeps blessing the people of israel and they keep behaving badly in response so we saw joseph's brothers who Stephen deliberately calls the patriarchs, the fathers of Israel, they sell him into slavery in Egypt, don't they? Moses' fellow Israelites, in a later bit of uh, Stephen's summary of the Old Testament, they didn't realise that God was using him to rescue them from Egypt. They partly didn't realise that because Moses himself acted in the wrong way by killing an Egyptian taskmaster. But even after God gave them his law and revealed his presence amongst them, the people of Israel rejected Moses and God through their idolatry. And the overall point that Stephen is making here is summed up at the end of his speech, when he says these words to those opposing him. He says, you stiff-necked people, that means people who can't bend their heads to worship God and bow before him, You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you're just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers didn't persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the Righteous One, and now you've betrayed and murdered him. You who received the law that was put into effect through angels, but have not obeyed it. And if the Holy Spirit can help us, to see God's faithfulness through the Bible. Another thing that he can help us to see is how human beings, people like you and me, can all too easily get it badly wrong in response. Stephen retells the story of the Old Testament to make the point that those opposing the preaching of Jesus are simply repeating the age-old pattern throughout the Old Testament of God's people getting it badly wrong. Now, Stephen's opponents didn't respond well to this. In fact, shortly afterwards, they took him out and they stoned him to death. And part of what we need to pray for is that as we read the Bible, the Holy Spirit would enable us to be a bit more humble and self-critical than they were. A big part of the message of the Bible is that God keeps finding ways of working through the mess that people have made of things. But an important part of being guided by the Holy Spirit is to see that mess and to be honest about it. Guided by the Holy Spirit, the Bible can help us to see the many ways in which we, in our lives, fall short of God's perfect will for them. All of us need that, don't we? Because all of us sin in lots of different ways. And the Bible is partly there to convict us of that sin. So that we can come before God in honesty and humility. About the important things that, for instance, we've allowed ourselves to be blind to. The ways in which we've ignored God's will in our lives. And so on. The things that were summed up in that Confession that Katie led us in saying at the start of this service. Because the Bible says that when we confess our sins, God's faithful and just and forgives us, and that's why we have that promise of God's forgiveness, that absolution or assurance of forgiveness at the end of our confession each week. But the Bible's partly there to help us to see our frequent faithlessness, because that's the path to acknowledging that and then being forgiven. That links to a final point, which is this. The Holy Spirit helps us to see how Jesus fulfills the story of God and his people by breaking out of all of its previous containers. This, in many ways, is the major point of Stephen's speech. This is the major point that he's building up to. Through preaching Jesus, Stephen had been accused of undermining important parts of the Jewish religion, particularly, as I said earlier, the law and the temple. And those claims had a measure of truth. Because Stephen was saying that all of those things were relativized by the coming of Jesus. That doesn't mean that they were bad or unimportant. But it does mean that their role was a temporary one. And here's a couple of illustrations of what I think Stephen was trying to say. When a kid learns to ride a bike, they can take off the stabilizers, can't they, eventually? Not because those stabilizers were bad, but because their role is now finished. And if once they can ride a bike, they keep those stabilizers on, it would actually slow them down rather than continue to help them. In fact, it will become dangerous, particularly when they go round corners and that sort of thing. Or to use another illustration, we might use candles for light during a power cut. Those of you who can remember back to the 70s and all those power cuts that we used to have will remember scurrying around for candles to light up the room and stuff. We might use candles for light during a power cut, but it would be pretty ridiculous and unhelpful for us to continue using those candles for light once the power had come back on. We turn on the electricity and we get light that way. What Stephen's opponents couldn't handle was his claim that the key symbols of Judaism, the land, the temple, and the law, those things that they'd been brought up to venerate and cherish, they'd been good things, but temporary signposts pointing to Jesus. And now that Jesus had come, it was him and him alone who deserved their devotion. If they weren't going to repeat the previous mistakes of their people and resist the Holy Spirit. And Stephen's opponents, they couldn't handle this threat to the things that they cherished. And that's why they shortly did what they did to him. And more important than anything else, really, The Holy Spirit guides our insight and interpretation of the Bible by showing us how the whole of that Bible, without exception, leads up to Jesus. Every single part of it is building to the revelation of God in Jesus. All of those strange stories in the Old Testament, all of those detailed laws, all of those weird and rather off-putting visions... Rather like when we did maths at school and we had to show the working by which we got to the right answer. So the Bible is there to show us in many different ways the working by which God responds to the problems of his people and the mess that they've made of the world by sending us Jesus. And part of the application of this is that the Holy Spirit uses the Bible to show us the things that, like those Jews who oppose Stephen, we can be clinging on to instead of him. The temple and the law were good things that were meant to lead them to Jesus. But those things became bad, they became idols, when those to whom they are being given chose to put them ahead of Jesus instead of seeing them as signposts towards him. And part of the challenge of the Bible, particularly when we've been Christians for a while, is the way that the Holy Spirit can draw our attention to the subtle ways in which we can take good things, even aspects of church itself, and it's perfectly possible for us to allow those things to take the place of Jesus, rather than keeping those things as signposts pointing us towards him. We can all do it, and one of the reasons why God has given us the Bible, with all of its length and all of its details, is because there are a thousand and one different ways of it bringing home to us that our faith is all about acknowledging the things that we've thought about this morning. The Bible is there to remind us in chapter after chapter and story after story of God's constant faithfulness in surprising and amazing ways. God constantly finding a way back for his people. The Bible is also there to remind us of the constant unfaithfulness of his people. And supremely the way that the whole of the story of God's interaction with his sinful people reaches its fulfillment and its climax in the coming of the one to whom we owe complete allegiance, God's Son and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. So let's be encouraged this morning by the challenge to seek to read the Bible and to get to grips with it. Think about joining a home group if that's not something you already uh, are part of because God's given the Bible to us as an amazing gift and it's there to be explored Primarily, actually, alongside other Christians. We uh, can read the Bible for ourselves as well, and that's important and that's valuable. But when we read it alongside other Christians, that's when we can pull it apart and discuss where we're seeing God's faithfulness, where we're seeing his people's unfaithfulness, and where every single part of it is pointing us towards the Saviour that God sent because of his great love for us, Jesus Christ. i going to finish with uh, a prayer. And uh, I'm going to shoot off down to the Baptist Church, where I'm preaching this morning, uh, in a minute. Uh, But in the prayer that I'm going to say now, I'm going to include prayer for Kim, actually, whose husband, Stephen, uh, died this week. And uh, I hadn't got around to telling Katie about that, so I'm going to uh, pray for you now, Kim, and your daughter, Charlotte. Father God, we thank you for giving us the Bible and it's difficult and frequently pretty off-putting, and it can seem just so huge that we can wonder where to start. But we thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit, just as you gave your Spirit to the early church and to your servant Stephen. And we ask that you'd guide us to know how to interpret and understand the Bible. And as we read it, would you shine a light for us on your faithfulness, on the many ways that we get things wrong and on the way in which it all builds and points to Jesus. We pray you'd help us through your spirit. Amen. And we also prayed this morning, particularly for Kim, who's with us here this morning, and her daughter Charlotte, following the death of Kim's husband Stephen uh, this week. We thank you for Kim. We pray you'd surround her with your love and Charlotte too and the rest of the family. Would you bless them? Would you help us as a church to be supportive and helpful? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.